Welcome to the Healthcare Business Secrets Show, where we interview industry leaders and break down exactly how they're dominating their markets so you can learn from the best and can double your revenue, double your impact, and double your time off. In this episode, we're speaking with John Asriff. John is the CEO of Neurogym and a New York Times bestselling author. He's built five multi-million dollar companies, has written two New York Times bestselling books, and has been translated into 35 languages and has been featured in eight movies. Today, he's the CEO of myneurogym.com, a company dedicated to using the most advanced technologies and evidence-based brain training methods to help individuals strengthen their mindset and skills so they can achieve their goals and dreams faster and easier than ever before. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you so much, James. Great to be with you. I was really looking forward to having you on the show. I love your your backstory, and I, I want you to jump into that for for our listeners who don't know who you are in a minute. Um, but I also think that mindset, and and you'll hear me if you've listeners have listened to any of the episodes, you hear me talk about mindset so much because everyone tries to lead their businesses through strategy, and strategy doesn't make sense if you don't have context. And context is is your head game, is your mindset. You can give someone the blueprint to make a million dollars. But if they don't have the right headspace, they'll never be able to implement it effectively. And even if they do try and implement it, they're just not going to get outcomes. And so I learned early on that mindset is key. So John, give us a a background on you, how you got to where you are and and what you're working on at the moment. Sure. Um, Listen, like probably everybody who's listening, grew up in an average home, probably dysfunctional like everybody else, which I call as normal. And, um, you know, wanted to uh, achieve some success in my life. Didn't do well in school. I got into a lot of trouble. And um, back in the day when when I was going through school, the belief back then was if you didn't go to college, you really couldn't get a really good job or career. And then you really wouldn't uh, do well and you'd suffer. And I bought into that until I had a chance lunch with one man who asked me one question that the answer to that question changed my life. And before I get into that question, uh, I want to preface by saying, I got my idea of achieving a nice lifestyle by watching a TV show, you know, 45 years ago called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with a man who's deceased now by the name of Robin Leaf. So I lived in a, uh, a below average neighborhood with a father who was a cab driver, a mother who was a seamstress, and there was always too much month left at the end of the money. And mm. so we were in scarcity mode my entire yeah. childhood. Uh, from the time I was born, but I saw other people living a lifestyle that was different than ours. And I just wanted a better lifestyle. And I remember, you know, my parents fought about the lack of money all the time. And I wanted something different. I didn't want to have those arguments and those fights. My father was a gambler. So uh, there was uh, some pain associated with scarcity uh, as a child. And then this one man that my brother introduced me to, his name was Alan Brown, and I took the train to meet him 350 miles away or 500 kilometers for all the uh, people uh, in your neck of the woods that uh, focus on kilometers versus miles. And I, at lunch, this man asked me, what were my goals? And I said, well, I'd like to buy a car. I was 19 at the time. It was April of 1980. Chances are before you were born, right, James? And uh, he asked me, you know, what do I want for my I said, I want to, I want to get a, my own car. I want to move out of my parents' house. I'd like to get a job that pays me more than the $1.65 an hour that I was making working in a shipping department for a computer company. And uh, he says, great, what are some of your bigger goals? And I said, I don't know. I don't have any bigger goals. I just want that. He says, well, take this document and um, fill it out. And so I grabbed this document from him. And first question on the document said, at what age do you want to retire? 
I'm like, I'm 19. <laughs> what do you mean? What age do I want to retire? I want a job. How much net worth do you want to have? And I remember looking at this gentleman and going, excuse me, uh, Mr. Brown, what does net worth mean? Uh, what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? What kind of car do you want? What kind of home do you want? What kind of charitable contribution do you want to make? And, and James, these were questions that are like, you got to be kidding me. You know, like, <laughs> I have no idea. I filled it out, but I want to make $3 million. I want to uh, retire at 45, which was 26 years later. I want to have a Mercedes Benz in a four bedroom house. And I wrote all this shit out on this piece of paper. And he looks at it and he says, well, that's actually some pretty good goals. And I'm like, well, yeah, they're like pie in the sky. Who the hell knows how in the world to make that? Only wealthy people can do that. And he looked at me square in the eye and he said to me, or he asked me this question. He said, John, he says, are you interested in achieving these things or are you committed? Mm. And I was like, what? Am I interested? I'm like, well, I said to Mr. Brown, excuse me, but like, what's the difference? And he said to me, he said, listen, if you're interested, you'll do what's easy and convenient. He said, if you're interested, you'll allow yourself to keep believing that you're not smart enough, not good enough, and not worthy of achieving these things just because you didn't do well in school and you failed English and math. If you're interested, you'll keep repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again, and you won't upgrade your knowledge or skills, which are required in order for you to actually achieve these goals. He said, if you're committed, you will let go of your old stories, excuses, reasons, and everything else that you have telling you you can't. And you will focus on what kind of beliefs do you need to have to achieve those goals? What kind of habits do you need to have to achieve those goals? What skills do you need to upgrade to achieve those goals? Who do you need to become in order to achieve those goals? He said, because if you're interested, you'll never achieve any of those goals. Said, but if you're committed, you will become the man capable of achieving those goals. He said, and by the way, those goals are easy. I've achieved those in less than a month on some good months. He was a very, very wealthy man. And so I'm like, holy mackerel. So at that moment, he gave me a choice, James. And the choice was, am I going to be interested or am I going to be committed? And I wasn't expecting this to happen at lunch, but I blurted out of my mouth, I'm committed. And then he reached out his hand and he asked me to put my hand in his by just holding it out there. And I put my hand in his hand. He looked me square in the eye and he said, in that case, I will be your mentor. And wow. I was like, what's a mentor? I didn't, I didn't even know what's a mentor. And the only reason I had lunch with this man is because my brother was teaching him tennis. And the only reason he accepted to meet me for lunch was because my brother was his tennis coach. And he was doing my brother a favor to try and help me not go to jail or die. And in that moment, one question, one man, one question, one answer changed my life. Two weeks later, I moved from Montreal to Toronto. About a week after that, I enrolled into the real estate school in Toronto because he was a real estate developer and had real estate offices. Five weeks later, I passed the real estate test, got my real estate license, started to work for him. He started to help me with my mindset and my action set. And that next 12 months, I made $31,000, which means he also made $31,000 because our agreement was he gets half of what I made for mentoring me. Mm. Year one, I made $6,000 more than my father at 19. Year two, he kept upgrading my knowledge and my skills. I made $151,000 as a 20-year-old. Mm. 5X by upgrading my mindset and skill set. And then year three, I went and traveled around the world for 14 months. 
And then I came back, got back into real estate, started making six figures a year again. And then by the time I was 26, I said, listen, I've, I've arrived. I can now start my own real estate company. And at 26, I bought the franchising rights for Remax of Indiana and then proceeded to open up 85 offices, recruited 1,200 salespeople, and did $4.5 billion a year in sales. So I'm, I'm shortening the story for you, but I want to point to the fact, one person, one question, one answer can transform your life. 100%. And now you've taken all of that and you're running training on this, right? Science-based training for, for mindset goals and, and all that. Talk to, us, talk to us a bit about that. Sure. So... When I was building my, my Remax, you know, operation, I was big into personal development that time. I would then, you know, read books. I would listen to it back then, cassette tapes, because that's how they were sold, mm. you know, before there were CDs and DVDs and before there was the internet. And so I would listen to, to, to cassette tapes, uh, you know, to upgrade my skills, to upgrade my whatever skill it was, whether it was marketing skill or selling a skill or management skill or whatever it was, it was on cassette tapes. And so I would provide a lot of the same training to my agents. And what we noticed, James, year after year is the agents that made, let's say, thirty dollars to $50,000, always made thirty dollars to $50,000, regardless of how much mm. training we gave them. The agent made fifty dollars to hundred. dollars Always made fifty to hundred. The agents have made one hundred, two fifty. That's what they always consistently made. And I was wondering, how is it that some people break away and five x their revenues or ten x their revenues? How do they go from fifty to five hundred thousand? Like, what is it if it's not information? If it's not the strategies? If it's not the tactics? Like, what is it? And that's when I started diving deep and I'm going into the, you know, into the early 90s now. Okay, so I'm going back a long way to take you, you know, along this journey. And what I had discovered was that people, in addition to having knowledge and skills, if their vision and their goals is bigger than their self-image, they won't take action even if they know what Mm. to do. So we all have a hidden self-image. So that was part one. Number two, if people have limiting beliefs, which are nothing more than neural networks or patterns in the brain, and you as a chiropractor know about patterns, right? If they have limiting beliefs or nothing more than reinforced neural patterns at the implicit level of the brain, then they will not override their limiting beliefs. So their limiting beliefs acts as filters Okay, for what they see, and as you're probably well aware, is our perception, which our limiting beliefs are a part of, is what we are projecting, right? And so limiting beliefs hold people back. Then number three, as you are well aware, you know, uh, my passion is neuroscience and neuropsychology in the human brain, is we have this highly developed emotional reactive center called the amygdala that picks up anything that we're thinking about or anything in our physical world that might cause us to die. That's number one, of course, survival first. And then number two is avoidance of any pain or discomfort. Mm. So imagine if somebody thinks that, you know, they know what to do, they know why to do it, they know how to do it. But if they do it and they fail, that might mean they might lose some money. That might mean that they might be embarrassed or ashamed or ridiculed or judged or disappointed. 
Those possibilities are played out in the brain's memory center and what I call is the Frankenstein part of the brain, right? And plays out a scenario of what if that happens. As soon as our brain is actively figuring out what if that happens, it's projecting into the future, which we feel in the present moment, a neurochemical reaction of that possibility. And when that cortisol or epinephrine or norepinephrine is felt by the average person, it's a stop sign for them. It's a do not go just in case, right? And so I've been studying the networks and the neural circuits in the brain, the motivational circuits, the fear circuits, the doubt circuits, the stress circuits, the anxiety circuits, unpredictable circuits in the brain. And what triggers that that causes smart, capable people not to take action? Mm even though all the how-tos available. So in my, you know, this will be my, my sixth company, you know, we've developed the training, the brain training software to help people with really developing new neural patterns and then reinforcing them around new beliefs, new habits, new perspectives, new paradigms, uh, a new self-image that matches the vision that they want, new empowering beliefs versus disempowering beliefs, so that there is neural coherence between the default mode network, the salience network, and the executive networks in the brain and the different circuits. So we have coherence instead of chaos. We have harmony instead of something else which causes people to be uncertain. So yes, that, that's what we do. And I'm fascinated with you know, neural patterns and neuroplasticity. And so we know that we all own the most powerful biocomputer in the entire universe with almost zero training on how to use it, mm. even the fundamentals of how mm. to use it. So we, uh, we teach people more about their brains in a functional way for them to be able to recognize disempowering thought, emotional, or behavioral patterns, reframe them, release them, and retrain their brain with empowering patterns. And hence, uh, there was a gentleman back in the 60s and 70s, his name was um, Jack LaLanne. And if you've ever heard of the term jumping Jack, he's the one who really put exercise on the map. Well, back in 1980, when Mr. Brown had me write those goals down, he had me refine them when I started working for him in the third week of June 1980. And he had me not just review my goals every day in my vision, but he also had me create a list of affirmations and declarations that I would read, put my fingers across, visualize, memorize, emotionalize. He had me doing these mental contrasting techniques where you know, I would see myself in my current situation of being broke, owing money, because I had to borrow $460 for my real estate course. <laughs> I, had, I had $40, I had to borrow $460. I was, I was broke, in debt, no credit cards, no money, no car, no nothing. And he had me visualizing myself being successful, earning $100,000 a year, even though my brain was firing off the neural circuits and I could hear the self-talk of, that's bullshit. You're not earning $10,000 a month. You're not even earning $1,000 a month. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. You don't know how to do this. Even while I was doing the inner size, strengthening my new neural networks through mental and emotional techniques, there was another part of my old self that was going, that's not true. This is bullshit. But over the course of 30 days, 60 days, 
90 days, 180 days, as I was formulating new neural patterns, the old ones would be less and less and less and less and less and less. To all of a sudden, I started having automatic positive thoughts instead of automatic negative thoughts. I started having automatic positive emotions and feelings and potential outcomes that I wanted versus automatic negative emotions that were disempowering me. I started to develop new habits that were empowering me as I was releasing old habits that were disempowering me. Now, over the course of you know a week or two or three, there wasn't any change. But I can guarantee you over the course of 90 days, there were some changes. Over the course of 180 days, holy shit, I was not the same young man. A year later, I was like, holy mackerel, let's go. Let's, let's, I could do this. And then you take that over 40 years. And, you know, I built a couple of decent companies. But more importantly than that, I've now done all of the research on what happened. And we're at the point today, you know, 2020, 2021 timeframe, where the science is finally catching up to what a lot of the old personal development gurus were saying all along. I recently had Dr. Dennis Waitley on uh, one of my, my annual brain-a-thons, which we do, that people listen to every Saturdays. And he was saying, John, I was working with Neil Armstrong, okay? The first man who put his foot on the moon on visualization. He said, visualization is simulation. He says, uh, practice creates that neural network that you need. Practice makes permanent. And so because I was into basketball at, you know, 13, 14, 15, and my coaches go like, practice the layup, practice the layup, practice the layup, practice the layup, practice the free throw, practice the free throw, practice the free throw. I got ingrained into my brain that at the time it was practice makes perfect which I don't agree with now, it's perfect practice makes perfect. Mm. But from the perspective of creating the pattern through space repetition develops permanent or habitual that which was taking conscious effort. So I became really good at it for me. I've taught it to my kids, my employees, and then I created programs, products, and services for whether it's athletes, CEOs, entrepreneurs, homemakers, uh, whether it's for health, eliminating fear or procrastination, or winning the game of money or winning the game of business, I created the mental software tools to do it with people instead of them having to go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a brain trainer outside of their homes. All they need is their mobile phone or iPad or computer. What I love about all of this is so many of us go through this journey where we overcome a problem and we get to this point of wanting to to give and share and health professionals are full of that. But the thing that, that limits most of the health professionals that I talk to, which I think limits people in general, is this idea of this programming, right? Like we are conditioned through the experiences we have and the people that are around us. And we wonder why our lives play out like the people around us, but we don't necessarily look to think and say, well, what if I did what that other successful person did, and maybe things will change. And for me, that was the the simplest shift. The the one question thing, like you were talking about for yourself, which I'd love to kind of ask you about in a, in a second. For me, it was like, what if I just do what they're doing and not do what these people are doing? In my case, family, friends, and people who I'm around. And we wonder why people achieve similar results. We wonder why people at the top have everything, et cetera. It's because they do things differently and they're surrounded by different people and they have different programming. They learn different strategies and their mindset is different. But the key thing being their programming. And 
neuroplasticity is is real. Like it was debated, and now it's just one hundred percent science. We you can change the brain, and it doesn't matter what previous conditioning you've had. You can recondition, right. but you need to be purposeful with it. That's the thing. People try and be positive and say positive things, or they and it's and it's like like you said, re- repetition, perfect repetition makes permanent. And people try things for five minutes, they don't get a result and they give up. And I wonder, well, until you said it, right? I, I always wondered why that was. And and you said it right. You said committed versus interested. A lot of people are interested in making a million dollars or having a good body or being, you know, having a good lifestyle. But there's this programming that sets the glass ceiling, so to speak right? It sets the limits of, well, this is what's possible. And if I want to break through that, you know, my hand might get a little bit hurt. It might be hard, but people don't think about the long-term gain or the long-term loss very well with things. That's why most of us spend money instead of investing money, because the short-term pain of saving and not buying is worse than the long-term, right? And so we don't look ahead and think, well, my pain in the future over a period of time, death by a thousand cuts is worse than just ripping the bandaid off now. Or if I sacrifice in the short term, I can achieve more of what I want in the long term because the future is, for most people, we live. I feel too many people are focused on being in the now and not necessarily planning ahead for what else could be because tomorrow is still coming. And if you're not prepared for it, you're going to be in the same place. And because of atrophy, right, we're all going to, to go backwards. So what do you think made the difference for you in terms of why you were ready to go from interested to committed and therefore on this journey? Because that's the, that's the key thing. It's, it's what got you yeah. to take that first step, you know? I think the, the answer, there was two, two answers to that question. One is I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, mm-hmm. and looking at myself in the mirror and disappointing my brother and my sister and my mother and my father, and frankly, even myself, right? So that was part one. Then part two is Mr. Brown made me feel safe. Mm. So stepping out of my discomfort into a safe environment with somebody that I believed could help me and really cared made making that move easier, not easy, easier. I had to move from my parents' house to a city that I knew nobody in other than my brother and now this man. I had no money, no car, no job in Toronto, no career. And so he had what I wanted based on what I could tell. And then he offered to hold me by the hand to make that leap safer for me. Mm. And I thought to myself, what have I got to lose? I know the train that I was on I know the destination I was heading to, and it just was not okay. So the pain of that was greater than the pain of change, Mm. right? But then making the change felt safer in his environment. And the reason you have a successful practice on a variety of different fronts is people feel safe with you. They feel, A, you can teach them and help them, and they feel safe with you. And so mm-hmm. that's why you're so successful. And obviously, you have to have the goods, right? Because then people talk about, you know, you, you don't deliver. And so there had to be a, a place for safety. And then once I got there, there was infrastructure, so there was a, here's what you do at 8 a.m. Here's what you do at 12 p.m. Here's what you do at 5 p.m. And 
I, I was good with that. I was good with being coached on what to do, why to do it, how to do it. I was very, very curious, you know? So, you know, I want to know, well, why does that work? And so I'm naturally a pretty curious person. So if somebody can't give me an answer why, I won't do it. And so I have to have trust that the person who is coaching me, teaching me, sharing, actually has the answer. Here's what I want you to do. Here's why I want you to do it. Here's when to do it. Here's how often. Here's how much. Here's, here's, the, here's the map. If I can see that their map is better than my uncertainty map, I'll adopt their map. Mm. And so uh, for me, it was a function of being able to, you know, he had the lifestyle that I wanted based on what my brother told me, but also based on, you know, what I could gather over our very, very, you know, 90 minute lunch, very, very quick. And so I just got fascinated with why I was doing the things that I was doing and why, you know, I wasn't doing the things I knew I should be doing. And then change is really hard as well uh, for, for younger, you know, kids who are making up their mind. It's not that hard, but if you're past the age of 20, 25, the habitual part of your brain, the striatum, that's connected to the hippocampus, the memory part of your brain, the neural networks between those two are really, really strong. And your brain doesn't want to give up the known and the comfort zone, even if you're miserable. Why? Because it took time to develop those patterns. And since our brain wants to conserve energy, it's not that you can't change. Most people don't know the process to change and make it easier for them. So they're trying to use willpower and persistence, a different part of their brain that usually is depleted by two o'clock in the afternoon of attention units required for change. So change is hard. So they revert back to all their old behaviors. But once you understand, you know, I'm gonna go back to you own the most powerful biocomputer in the world. If you don't know how to use it, the reason I you know, do so much work around the neuroscience and neuropsychology of change and success is because once we give people a little bit of the owner's manual, it's like teaching somebody how to turn their key on in their car. Here's how you put it to drive. Here's the brake. Here's the gas. If something happens in the hood, take it to the mechanic and they can fix it. So at least get the fundamentals right. And there's fundamentals that people could be doing every single day to understand how to deactivate, you know, that stress, fear, anxiety, panic, uncertainty, unpredictability part of their brain. And there's a couple of techniques to activate the Einstein genius part of your brain. If you don't know how the basics work, forget about any advanced strategies, but most people don't even have the basics. It's kind of like we're all in a race and we've all got relatively similar cars, right? Tony Robbins talks about resources and resourcefulness. It's not a lack of resources, it's a lack of resourcefulness. And so we've all got these cars that can go around the track nice and fast, but some of us don't know how to turn them on. Some of us don't know how to switch gears. Some of us don't know which is the accelerator and which is the brake. And we're sitting in the car, but we've been doing the same thing for 10, 15, 20, 30, 70 years. And our brain is wanting to keep us safe and secure. And if it's working and we're surviving, we're not thriving, but we're surviving. The brain wants to continue that activity because it's designed to just keep us alive. And, and then we start to justify why we're you know, not winning the race. And we start to project. And then we look and go, well, he had it easier. He was born like this. He blah, blah, blah. And we're on the outside. And you're at the point where you're looking in knowing how to to coach. A lot of us, we see it with our own clients. It's like we know what they need to do, but we don't know how to get them to go and 
do it. And you're watching someone, you're watching them race and you're thinking, why aren't you just doing this? And I know I've been through that myself where it's like, why isn't this person just doing the things that I'm doing? Or like, it's easy to, to lose weight or gain strength or get smart or make money. Like just do this. And it's that difference between knowing and being able to implement, right? Yeah. Listen, I have, I have a client of mine just last week who's hired me privately and my hourly fee is $5,000 an hour. So if you're with me for an hour and you don't apply what I teach you, you're like, you're losing a lot of money. And so he and I had agreed on certain things that he wanted to do and achieve outside of his already successful business and he wasn't doing it. And so on one of our calls, you know, I said, Hey, listen, this is, you know, a month now that you have not done what you have said to yourself mm. you want to do. Are you like remotely interested in why you're not taking action? And he goes, well, of course, that's what I hired you for. I said, good. Now that you're ready to listen, I pointed out that he was operating out of a space of fear and that fear center of his of failing at this new thing was deactivating his motor cortex or behavioral center in his brain. So even though he was totally fine taking action here, moving on to something he didn't know created this fear activation in his brain. I gave him a couple of inner sizes to do, put him on the phone with one of my other clients that actually does what he wants to do. And he's been in action now for the last two weeks. So, so the first part is awareness of thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and behaviors. And when you can teach somebody how to become more aware of what they're thinking, feeling, and doing or not doing, then they're more likely to be at choice. So awareness is what gives you choice, and then choice gives you freedom. And if you make the right small decisions towards what you want consistently, that now becomes the new pattern. But in the absence of awareness, information does not change us. And that's why people read books, people go to courses, people go to events, and they're like, oh my God, they're high-fiving, jumping up and down for eight hours. And, and maybe they get a really nice you know, feeling for a short period of time, but it doesn't last. So behavioral change is a totally different skill set than gathering information. Right? When we're gathering information, we're activating our short-term working memory. And even though we release dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin, you know, when we're in groups and sharing with people, we feel good. Oh, my God, this can change my life. It doesn't. It doesn't change life. So they keep going back for that fix of let me just order that other book. Let me go to that other course. Let me hop on another podcast. Let me, let me keep doing that thinking this is the one that's going to change me. And it doesn't. Not because they're not capable of changing. It's the process by which they're using to change is not the right process. Mm. So now we just need to put their awareness on what they're doing right, what they can improve on, give them a better structure to follow, put them in the environment that makes it easier for them to follow it. And then, oh my God, look at this. Things are getting better. And so mindset yeah. plus skill set environment and action set makes a big difference. Uh, it does matter, you know, the syntax in which you do stuff. You and I were talking before the, you know, before the show. And then I heard your opening, you know, double your income half the time with less stress. You know, uh, you're teaching them how to market. <laughs> All the how-to exists. It's kind of like that's the easier part of the equation. How-to, how-to anything. Unless you're trying to colonize Mars right now, you don't really need to be very innovative. 
because mm-hmm. all the how-to already exists. You want an extra 10 leads? Like, when do you want to buy? Like, in an hour from now? I'll hop onto YouTube, to Google, uh, to Facebook, to Instagram, to LinkedIn. I'll get you I'll get you 100 leads in an hour if you want them. But do you have a process to take them through? Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so all the exactly. how-to, we already know how to do. The key is, you know, if you don't have the right mindset, which means the right beliefs and emotional regulation, including managing your fear and your self-image, if you don't know how to do that, all of the best skills and strategies and tactics in the world will never work because you won't implement them for longer than a short period of time. Exactly. It's it's how-to, how-to, right? How to actually get to a place where using the strategy is actually going to make a difference. That's why if you're an avid listener of the show, you'll notice that most of these conversations are not about actual tactical strategy because that's not the thing that we need. You can Google how to do whatever. There's an answer to everything. But knowing and having the frameworks and processes to be able to actually implement the things effectively, that's the difference. It's kind of like superstition has developed this way where you have uh, a reward for random behaviors and there becomes a seeming correlation between what I did and the reward that I got. And so then I develop a pattern around it. If I'm worried about something and I touch wood, and then nothing bad happens. I think, why did that bad thing not happen? I don't have the answer. Well, I guess I touched wood, must be related. And now we touch wood forever because it makes us feel comfortable. Even though there is no measurable positive gain, it gives us the sense because we get an immediate reward for having touched the wood. You watch this, pigeons do that. They've done studies. They'll give pigeons food at random intervals and those pigeons will develop random behaviors because they think that's what they're doing to generate the reward and the food. And humans, we all do the same thing. And where we are and how we feel and what's going on is a consequence of what we've allowed to influence our state, positively and negatively, what we're being reinforced for, what we're avoiding, what we understand, what we don't. And, right. and like you said, the only way to break that pattern is to become aware of it and then have patterns to replace it and to give us direction. If you want the pigeon to walk down the road and then get the food, you need to help the pigeon go down the road because you can't just throw bird seed out because it'll just start hopping on one foot instead. And we're all those pigeons. The thing that I gain the most from these interviews with people like yourself, John, is, is people who are immensely successful, not just financially, but in their lifestyles and, and, and in their headspace, is the, the coachability, right? Willingness to receive information and then implement that information check on how it's affecting outcomes and then pivot to continue to, to, to go where we want to go. And where most people that I deal with who are struggling, they, they are not able to do that. If I jump in, they are capable of doing that, but they have to make a decision what they're more committed to, right? Mm-hmm. Their existing state, their existing results, their existing habits, their existing excuses, their existing stories, their existing trauma, whatever it is, are, you, are they more, more committed to that or are they more committed to a new outcome that they really want? So the mm. first thing we have to establish is which are you more committed to? Your way, your habits, your results, or are you open to a new way, new habits, new results? So you first have to get them down to the grassroots. You know, in the neuroscience field, we have to have the what, the why, but we also have to have, you know, the, the habits to achieve it. Because if we don't also focus on developing the new habits, we just keep you know, reinforcing old habits. So there's, there's some structural things that have to happen in advance of here's more new stuff. Mm. Right? So I tell people, I say, listen, uh, you want to learn some of my best stuff? Just buy my books. 
Uh, it's, it's, they're all in there. But if you want to help implementing it, that's where I can help the most. Mm. Yeah. Like you said, you said, you know, before every answer you and I could ever want, and then some 108 billion humans have walked on earth before you and I have, and all the answers are on Google. What advice would you give to, to help someone to make that decision of what they're committed to? Because I feel like sometimes we, we like the idea of committing to the thing, but sometimes we also just kind of want to stay where we are, but we're in this, this vortex of, I should be shifting. And so I continue to read the books, but I'm not really committing. And I feel like it's an easy choice. Be okay with accepting and committing to the new outcome and then do it or be okay with not and be okay with where you're at. But some people I think struggle with that. So what's a, what's a great insight that you can give to, to our listeners to find their commitment to where they're at or where they want to be going to then give them that, that forward momentum so they can sure. actually start just doing it. So a couple things, you know, to, to just follow your path there. Number one is why you are committed to achieving the goals and changing and doing all the things you need to must be bigger than your current stories, reasons, or excuses and habits. Let me repeat. The why you must achieve your new vision, goals, habits, beliefs, etc., must be bigger than your current stories, excuses, reasons, and current habits. So the first thing I ask my clients is, why must you do this? Not should, could, or why must you? That's part one. The next part is to teach them what resistance. So let me give you an example. Uh, let's say you come to me and you say, hey, John, I want to get healthier. I want to get better physical shape. Let's keep it to physical and cardiovascular shape. And I say, great, what, what do you prefer? Do you prefer running, do you stair climbing, hiking, Pilates, yoga? Like, what do you prefer? And you tell me, John, I really like weight training and I like Pilates. I go, okay, great. So let's set a vision. Let's set a goal. Let's come up with a reason why you're committed to doing it. Let's identify the stories, reasons, excuses, why you won't or what might get in your way. And then let's in advance come up with counter strategies for what you're going to do when you have mental resistance. What are you going to do when you have emotional resistance? What are you going to do, okay, when you wake up and you hear this little voice in your head that goes like, I don't feel like it? What are you going to do when the voice in your head says, I don't know if this is meant for me? Like, what are you going to do? I'm going to tell you in advance, that will happen. If we, you and I go hiking, okay, you know, say three times this week and three times next week, you are going to be sore. There are going to be mornings you wake up, you're not going to feel like it. What is going to be your response? So what I want to do is I want to create commitments in advance. I want to create pre-strategies for dealing with those things in advance. I'm going to teach them to you before you actually encounter them. Mm. Right? So that when you reach there, you go, ah, he told me this would happen. And I want to focus on what's going to happen with the rationalizations which means the rational lies that you're going to hear in your own head. What's going to happen with the disempowering emotions that you're going to feel that's going to cause you to not want to take action. And I'm going to coach you in advance on those things. Yeah. And then I'm going to set up a mechanism by which you can text me when you're having a hard time either because you don't want to follow through and now I'm your accountability coach or you follow through and now I'm your reinforcement coach. Yeah, I like that. So I'm going to create an ecosystem 
where you cannot fail yourself while you're going through the first 100 days. Now, all the research uh, is pointed to between 66 days and 365 days of continuous repetition to reinforce a new pattern. So all of my clients, number one, if you don't want to work with me for at least 100 days, I don't want you in my environment for coaching you and consulting you because I don't want to fail. And so if you want to put a system in place that is going to have a higher likelihood of failing, I don't want to work with you. But if you're committed, you'll commit to at least 100 days. If you're committed to 100 days, I can guarantee you do what I say, you'll achieve results, period, end of story. And if you don't, you don't pay me. Mm. You follow my process to the letter. I guarantee that you'll achieve the results you want. You change the recipe, I can't guarantee the meal. Yeah. It's the reason recipes exist, people, you know? Like, listen, you want to work with Wolfgang Puck, you know, on his recipes. Uh, You want to work with, I mean, anybody who's achieved a high level of success, right, has recipes of what to do and what not to do. Like, if you bake the best apple pie, and right at the end, you throw in this new herb that is, like, bitter and, like, oh, it's awful. You fuck up the cake. So if there's a recipe, at least start with the recipe to get that done. Then you want to add a little whipped cream and you want to add this, you want to add that. Then you can test. But get the initial recipe that already has been proven to work, working. Then get creative. Because otherwise, you don't know if it's the recipe you're following or if it's you. So if you're following the recipe and it works, and then you change something and it doesn't, you know that it was what you changed. This is gold. I, I, I tell my clients this all the time. Let's just do this first, and then we'll get fancy. And the reason for that is there's no point in reinventing the wheel. If it's time to make dinner, and we're going to make an apple pie for dessert, you're not going to go and just try and figure it out yourself. You're going to get a recipe. But in business, in success, in life, and happiness, we often do that. But it's interesting in, in cooking, or sports, or certain things, exercise even, there's often this understanding of that's how you do it. And then other things, it feels like, like the concept of getting a business coach is quite foreign to people. Or when the best athletes in the world have coaches. Like if you're wanting to be a chef, you you learn from people. But then, and same thing with, with mindset. Just... We, we, we don't get coaches for our mindset, which is the, the, the thing that controls our entire existence for our entire lives. People who have what they want and feel good understand how to use their brain and those who don't and and this doesn't matter like having money doesn't make you happy if you want to make money you find someone to help you make you money but if you have fulfillment you find someone to help you train and change those things so tell us um because i'm conscious of time tell us how can people find out more about you and how can they get involved with some of the stuff that you've got going on at the moment so they can start to shift their habits their their programming so on the, on the idea of money, if they want to sign up for our free Brainathon, they can go to brainathon123.com. And I do a, um, uh, a session with uh, five other brain experts on unlocking your brain's hidden power. So you get rid of limiting beliefs, fears, uh, self-image issues, and they can sign up at brainathon123.com for that. And it, it airs every Saturday. And then if they want to follow me on social media, they can find me at, at John Asaraf. And then uh, I've got some books. My newest book is called Inner Size, The New Science to Unlock Your Brain's Hidden Power. That's a, a new bestseller. And my business growth book is called The Answer, New York Times bestseller. And my 
Having It All book is also New York Times bestseller. And um, this one's about setting and achieving goals using some quantum physics and neuroscience. The answer is, is some great neuroscience and business growth. And then inner size, all about strengthening your mindset and emotional skills so you get rid of the obstacles and have a clearer path towards achieving your goals. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm going to pick up a few copies of those myself, to be honest. Sounds great. And you've also got, what was it? MyNeuroGym.com. Is that right? MyNeuroGym.com. Yes. Thank you. That's my my company, MyNeuroGym.com. Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you. Thank you, James. Appreciate you too. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like the episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a review. I'd really appreciate it as it helps us get our episodes out to more people just like you who want to know how to increase their revenue, impact more people and build businesses that work for the lifestyle they want. Now, I know your time is valuable and I know that you are here to learn the secrets to success in your health business. So I have something special for you just for checking out the episode. Now, if you're a health professional, coach or trainer in business, and you're serious about growing a profitable, impactful business, then pay attention because as a listener of the show, I want you to win. And so I've created a host of resources available exclusively for listeners of the show. So if you're tired of trying to figure out this game of business, marketing and sales all on your own, and you're ready to just implement what's already proven to work rather than reinventing the wheel, I want you right now to go and check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. That's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. And there you'll find over $5,000 worth of trainings, resources, and coaching available only for listeners of the show. Again, that's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. There I'll give you resources on everything from how to acquire 10 times more of your ideal clients using social media and paid ads, even referrals, how to increase your client conversion into packages at an 80 to 90% conversion rate like me, how to retain your clients for longer, getting them better results and making them happier, how to increase your prices and charge a premium to work with you and how you can build a six, multi-six, even seven-figure practice just like I did, but with a tenth of the time and a tenth of the effort. What I want you to realize is that everything I teach comes from exactly what I did to have success and still have success in my own health business, and I want to share that with you so you can have success too. So go check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider right now and let me help you win big in your health business. Also remember to subscribe for two episodes every week full of the secrets to have success in your health business as well as leave us a review so we know what you thought of the show. And I'll see you on the next episode.